Hi there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. It's Joanna. You know who's speaking here. I'm excited about today's podcast with the oh, multi-talented author, artist, Jen Ashton. We had a really cool conversation um, about a week ago. And unfortunately, there is a little bit of overlap with our voices just because of our the recording equipment. But um, hey, you're not you're not here to listen to me. It's it's Jen. It's it's Jen. So I hope you enjoy and have a good day. Bye bye. Right now, I'm really loving the short stuff because I love and I'm actually trying to write write um, micro flash. You know, like fifty or hundred words. Um, I really like the uh, challenge of trying to tell a whole story in just a few words kind of like haiku, you know, I'll, I'll, I can start with a piece that's 5,000 words and, and I have just whittled one down to 1,500 words, um, you know, keeping the story intact. And I love just um, finding the sharpness of the words and um, getting everything just so, so it's really, uh, really tight. Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCB Art Studio from the dressing room. Ozzy is in the studio with me. I hope everyone's doing well, staying warm. I am wrapped up in blankets and hoodies. Uh, so I'm excited, very excited about today's podcast. I am having a discussion with a BC artist and author. She considered herself, this, this artist and author, she considered herself a writer from the early age of six, and she was first published at age 14. She writes in many genres and forms from children's books, newspaper editorials, music magazine columns, uh, training materials, and academic and literary journals. She's completed a year as a teaching assistant in the Simon Fraser University's Writer's Studio. And she is now studying studying at the Harvard, Harvard Graduate School of Education. She attended Simon Fraser University as a mature student while she homeschooled her daughter and completed a volunteer term for the Canadian Red Cross. After a further decade in the music industry, she began working as a professional visual artist in North Vancouver, and she drew upon a lifetime of adventure, which is reflected in her writing. Now, she has lots and lots of, of awards. Uh, a few that jumped out at me were the 2020, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, 2020 Canturk Arts Festivals, Flash Fiction, Long List from Ireland. She was the recipient of the Muriel's Journey Prize for Poetry in 2019. And out of the UK in 2019, Jericho Writers Flash Contest. Jen Ashton, welcome to JCV Art Studio from the Hi, dressing very room. very good. How are Thank you, you doing? Thank you so much for having me as a guest. It's so nice to meet another artist and writer. 
when I was reading the bio, I was like, yes, right? Someone who understands what I'm trying to do or, you know, what I mean, right? So I have to ask, and we will get into some of the more serious questions, but at the, at, in the bio, at the end of your book, it says you are a graduate of Simon Fraser University's Criminology, Biomedical Physiology, and Kinesiology, and the Writer's Studio. And I saw Kinesiology, and I just started, you know, the little alarm bell started going, and I thought, was Jen ever a uh, I wasn't. personal trainer? I actually, I actually did a, a pre-med <laughs> in my undergraduate. So I was really interested in uh, rehabilitation medicine and, and kinesiology. I think I did do actually a certificate in health and fitness. So I could have been, but I didn't. I wasn't. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, I was I was just wondering because you know I've I've been a fitness instructor and personal trainer and, and that's why the kinesiology <laughs> kind of made me go, oh wow, <laughs> really? Awesome. You know, on your website you have posted your own quote, and it says, "As a full time artist and writer, I enjoy experimenting with new subtraits and tools and working on projects." where I can combine my writing with my visual storytelling. Like I said, I could so relate to this. And I often say with my writing that I'm writing in pictures. And I was wondering about you. When you write, do you see pictures first? Or does a story idea come first, which you then amplify? Oh, that's an interesting images? question. Um, I think it you know what for me it actually works well both ways uh when I do a painting or something I'll often kind of make up a story in my head as I'm painting um so it has a kind of a life behind it if you know what I mean um and then uh sometimes when I'm writing yeah I can actually I can actually see it in my head and and that's what I'll actually use for a lot of the visual um, cues for fattening up the story and adding sensory detail. I, I can kind of visit that place in my mind. So yeah, it kind of works both ways. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, I understand that because I've I've drawn pictures and then after I look at the picture and part of me is thinking, I wonder what's yeah. the story behind this 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 picture. Yeah, know, exactly. Behind this yeah behind this image and then when you're writing you get these it's almost like a little movie playing in your head so before we get into your your collection of short stories and thinking about um the awards you have received I was curious if you could tell us about the honorable mention you received in 2019 the Anne and Philip Yandel best article award I know I'm not going to pronounce this what this right. Shamla? Well, is, is, as far as we can tell, it's Siamalot. And yeah, I was really honored to receive that. Um, I don't think they've ever done an honorable mention. I think they, I remember them telling me that. So when I got the phone call, I was quite surprised. That was for an article that I wrote about my great, great, great grandmother and finding her name, because as an Indigenous woman, um, it was lost in history. And 
Um, oh, I should say that this was uh, in the BC History magazine. Yeah, her, so her name was lost in history, and we okay. really had nothing to go on. Um, and then just through hours and years of research and archival research and um, interviews, we finally found her name, and that's what it was, Siamalat. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I'm, I'm glad, happy for you that for and a lot for a lot of reasons yeah. for finding her name. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Okay, so then you had another one. One more. Um, can you tell us about the Canada Council creating, knowing, and sharing the arts and cultures of First Nations, Inuit and Métis peoples? Small yeah, so when I was doing a lot of the research, um, which has actually started out being for my um, nonfiction book that I'm currently writing, trying to find my ancestor's name, um, I came across a lot of um, photographs and also a, a video, a film from, I think it was from 1926 or 1928 um, of um, my family. Uh, and I wanted a place for that to live on the internet. So the, um, the Museum of Canada was, was kind enough to actually let me have that footage. And now it lives on uh, a website that I built called talkingwithgrandmothers.com. And just let me double check here. Yeah, it's 1928. And it's a film by Harlan Smith. And um, it depicts some of the activities of daily life that would have taken place on the West Coast. And uh, you can see my, my third great auntie, Harriet, uh actually spinning and and weaving and it's um yeah it's it's a priceless priceless uh to to everybody but to our family of course yeah it's it's amazing so anyways that's what that was for um and and that's a, a place i built for for all of the kind of extras that uh that i've come across while i was writing my book so you're, you're I am, your, yeah. Actually, it started some years ago. Um, my uncle Wayne Ashton started doing it, and then just a few years ago, my his daughter, my cousin Christina, and I picked it up again, and we started, um, you know, putting the history together because it was we were really intrigued by our First Nations history that we didn't know anything about because with the residential schools, our family was really separated from ourselves so we weren't we didn't grow up in the culture um and so it was really important to us to kind of piece that together and find out where we came from and we have thankfully oh that's so good so talking with talking with grandmother grandmothers.com anyone yeah can, can yeah, go yeah. on and, and and watch the the, mm -hmm. the movie Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that feels, it feels so amazing. Well, you know, good. it's, uh, and I, I think I write a lot about that too. Um, I'm actually the uh, writer in residence at BC History Magazine this year. And um, all throughout the year, I'll be, I'll be writing articles about everything will incorporate a, a bit of, you know, my journey to, to where I am now. I think because there's so many families who can probably relate 
to what we went through and to uh, what our family looks like now and the divisions and things that we've faced. So, um, so yeah, I, I look forward to sharing that this year. That is so good. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it really oh. feels like we've come home. Oh. So that's nice. Just getting the connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we really kind of felt that, I think. I mean, I did. I was very um, disassociated from my family. And, um, you know, we're all kind of fragmented and all kind of moved away and some to the States and some all over, you know, the West Coast. And yeah, and now you can kind of follow the lines back and and see, you know, where the divisions happened and, and what happened to make us the way we are. So, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. It was like a puzzle piece. So thinking of your your collection of stories, people like Frank and other stories from the edge of normal. I wanted to know what inspired you to write a collection featuring individuals, in, in you say, from the edge of normal. Was there message you wanted to convey? Um, well, I have to quickly tell you how I write because I actually didn't write this collection on purpose. Um, I My writing just kind of comes to me. I'll get up in the morning and free write and stories appear. And a lot of the um, stories in this collection I wrote last, oh, in uh, November 2019 as part of NaNoWriMo. I wrote a, a piece of flash every day. So many of the stories in this book are um, are bits of flash. Some have been expanded. Well, uh, yeah, I guess in February, March 2020, a publisher, Tidewater publisher, came to me and asked me what I had. And I said, well, I've got this bunch of short stories, and I sent them everything I had. And they actually put together this collection. And we found out afterwards that it was actually, you know, it was stories from the edge of normal because it's um, the stories that I write, not just these stories, but most of what I write, you know, not everybody fits into the normal category. And I think I grew up a very labeled kid and and I I just hate the use of labels. So I, I really write to show that everybody can be the hero of their story, um, no matter what they look like or where they come from. I guess that's the message I want to convey in all of my writing. And uh, it's kind of really strongly shows up in this book where um, these are a real tight collection of, of that kind of writing. One night um, last week when I was reading the short story, People Like Frank, I sighed. <laughs> And I laughed at the same time. And my spouse is wondering, he's, he's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I said, this story, I go, it's funny and it's sad. You know? And I just, I was, and that story deals with Alzheimer's. And any particular reason why you chose um, character? Well, like I said, I, you know, these stories just come to me. I don't particularly uh choose a topic to write about that would be very rare that would be kind of more newspapery but um we've had friends and family who are you know afflicted with alzheimer's and other dementias and just over the last 20 years um you know we've lost lost friend and uh and family member and 
very close friend and looking after my husband's parents. And I think these, you know, when you say it's, um, you know, you sighed and you laughed, it's, it is funny and it is sad and it's just all part of it, part of dealing with it. And I think, you know, what happens in my life sooner or later comes out of my writing and then that's just how that came out. (laughs) What strikes me with Mm -hmm. all the stories is the truth. Because I'm reading it, I'm reading people like Frank, and there's a little part of you that wonders, okay, is is this going to happen to me? Because we don't know. We don't know what Mm -hmm. any of us, what we're going to be like when we're in our 80s or in our 70s, right? So it's, there's truth in your work. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to say that that's exactly it. Also, you know, when I look at stories like that, I I hope that people are having that reaction, because I think it's a lot of times it's not talked about, you know, you hear you see the publicity for Alzheimer's or, you know, any kind of um, charity and, but you don't actually have the meat of it. And you don't see what it's like in the day to day. And, and, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that people are picking up on that in these stories because it, it, it can happen to anybody. Reading it mm-hmm. in a story, I don't know, how it's it hits you harder. And if you don't mind, there was one paragraph that just, I think this was the one mm-hmm. that made me yeah, you know, sigh and made me laugh if, if I could read it, if that was all right. So from the short story, People Like Frank, Frank likes to do the driving. He says, I go too fast. He will never go above 20. He's overly cautious, and we usually drive around with a cacophony of car horns following us. And once a few weeks ago, we got a ticket for driving so slowly and in a bike lane. <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> that makes me giggle, but I, again, but I still, I'm like, oh, no, oh, any thoughts or, or memories connected I think, to that um, sentence? You know what, it's, what, that's, uh, what that's kind of about is, um, in the back of my mind anyways, is, you know, that time when you have to wonder when you're going to take somebody's car keys away. And for me, that's really um, big because we kind of, you know, you go through that in your families with the generations and, you know, when is grandpa not okay to drive and when it's a younger person who's suffering from Alzheimer's and that can be in your 40s even 40s 50s 60s 70s you know the moment when you have to decide that it's maybe that person shouldn't be driving and then trying to get the keys away from them it's uh it's really actually really awful (laughs) so this is kind of uh the precursor to you know like what would happen next, I think, is probably the the wife would need to decide that, you know, she might need to take Frank's keys away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you feel for the the passenger, the wife. Yeah. And, and like you said, that taking of keys, yeah. it's yeah. the independence. Yeah. Those keys are, <laughs> are independence, right? In the first short story, Nest. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful story. After I read that one, I thought, okay, for myself, to me, the 
I've decided that the test mm-hmm. of a good short story is that the reader wants more. And uh, I finished that short story and I wanted to know so much more about the heroine, Francine. Uh, I wanted to read more about her and uh, she lives in a group home. Um, Every night she takes her medication. She works at the Goodwill. Can you tell our, our, our listeners about Francine and have you, have you thought of writing um, a longer story? Well, Francine her? is probably, like I say, um, you know, everything comes out in my writing at some point. And um, I've worked with developmentally challenged clients and I've worked in um, nonprofits. And, um, and again, I just, she's another hero. I just wanted her to be the hero of the story. I want, I would, I would love to be able to write about so many different kinds of people so they can see themselves in, as heroes in the story. Um, I, I don't, I've not thought about writing a longer story, but I, I suppose I could one day. But um, yeah, I think she's just kind of, you know, maybe a combination of a lot of people or situations I've known about in my past and of course we never write about one specific person but um yeah she's probably a big combination of lots of people that I've worked with or known yeah she's uh she's the perfect uh hero for this story I think oh (laughs) I just liked her so liked her and I was so rooting for her and if at any time you'd like to read a little bit from your collection please oh well I could read please, you I was hoping do, to read you this because I think it's such a, a nice kind of setup to how the story begins okay so this is the first paragraph from the yeah, story please. nest which yeah. is also the first story in the book at 3 p.m Betty put down her knitting needles and died it wasn't 3 p.m everywhere of course but in her own small apartment over the smoke shop it was Betty had been knitting little bird nests for the wildlife and bird rescue center across town. There was always a call for them in the spring when people would bring in eggs they found or when rescued bird mothers could not find natural nest making supplies within their man-made wooden chicken coops. Sadly, Betty's demise meant that they would not be delivered. When people finally got around to packing up her place to make way for the smoke shop renovations, which would include her apartment being converted into a cigar lounge, the little knitted bird nests were fodder for the Goodwill bag, along with most of Betty's possessions. That's all. Yeah, okay. So, thinking about Mm. the story All Nation Soup, it made me think of the homemade soups my mother used to make. And there was always one of us that would always end up with bay leaf in the soup. Is there a story that's a particular um, Well, I do really like all nation soup too, because uh, it reminds me of kind of, you know, Sundays at my grandma's and um, a lot of the stories made up, but, but there is some truth to it. That kind of Sunday afternoon feeling at my grandma's and falling asleep on her bed watching Lawrence Welk and stuff and so that kind of that kind of thing but I think you know one of my favorite story out of the whole book is the last story Mona Lisa Um, I think that maybe has you know it's about just kind of that feeling of post-menopause when you kind of your old life 
starts to fall away and you maybe think that you want to just do something that you want to do for you. And she just kind of follows her whim to England and travels all around. And yeah, I think that's kind of things that surprise her and just for her own satisfaction. Cool. Okay. So then as I'm reading, like I say, there's so, I find there's so much truth and honesty in your stories. I was wondering who have been your writing influences? I remember at a school assembly in elementary school, once the librarian um, actually said that I'd read every science fiction book in the library or something, and I was just little. But so I've read lots. But I think that um, I was a journal writer when I was young. So one person who I know had a big influence on me was actually Anne Morrow Lindbergh. She kept track of all of her, you know, from the time she was a young teen, she she kept track of her whole life right up until her death almost in journals. And so I think those were really important to me. And then as a girl, Madeline Langle, of course, Wrinkle in Time, which was was and still is one of my favorite books. And then as as an adult reading her other writing, two-part invention and things like that about her marriage and I think both of those authors are really have a clear and straightforward style of writing that I appreciate. And also I would think that one of my, hi doggy, one of my other biggest influences is probably Douglas Adams because he also has, (laughs) again, that straightforward writing, but it's also um, darkly comical. And I'm thinking specifically of long dark time of the soul um so I think those would probably be you know out of my list of hundreds those are those those ones always rise to the top interesting and as you were talking besides my dog rudely interrupting you (laughs) you mentioned journaling and journals when I look back at school which was a long 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 time ago the teachers I remember (laughs) was my grade nine teacher Ms. Beddoes who she would have us write in our journal in, she was the English teacher and mm. you know it was just like 10 minutes before class we'd write in our journal and uh Ms. Anaka and she encouraged fiction like a fiction contest which I entered it just it's interesting the yeah. what the their importance and yeah and the thing I remember with Ms. Beddoes was it was yeah walking Oh God, walking into the portable, we had a portable and it was the day John Lennon was assassinated and she stood in front of the classroom and she just, I remember her, like I think it must've been in grade nine. And she said, it is a very sad day, you know, and we're all, yeah. And we were just, we all stood Mm. there and I had heard it on the radio and she goes, John Lennon was murdered. And, oh, and I think then we, yeah. You know, she like tossed the curriculum for that day and just said, okay, we're going to, you know, look at his songs. And gosh, these ladies, these, these teachers, English teachers. Yeah. You know, I didn't appreciate them as much as I, you know, when, when you're 14, but yeah, they did, they had an impact. Okay. Because you're an artist. Um, Well, I'm a pretty new artist. So I, I mean, I guess I've been absorbing it for a long time, but I think artists, that I always go back and look at and I hope that 
they will influence me or I hope that they will somehow come out in my right, uh, my art is um, Agnes Merton and Maude Lewis, I think. I just love the simplicity and the lines and uh, it just it makes me feel so good to look at their art. So I, I'm hoping that that, you know, when people look at my art, they, they get that feeling as well. On the cover of People Like Frank, it's your art. Um, How did that actually, all come about? I uh, have a bit of a background in graphic design. So I I believe I offered to the publisher if I could, you know, have a go at the cover. And they said, sure. So I came up with many different ideas and everything. And I think in the end, they ended up coming with the coming up with the cover idea but I was really pushing for this one uh painting I love it (laughs) and I think it actually suits it suits the book it suits the simplicity of the stories I think because I feel like they're very simple stories so and it's a very simple painting it so fits your cover you know I understand it was also yeah, it's actually owned by the Lionsgate it was part Hospital of Foundation, along with a couple of my other ones. So it's a pretty special painting. You had mentioned about labels earlier. Are you, because I know I am, trying to blow like a, a categorization um, that an author can also create art and weave it into a novel. This was actually the publisher's idea to put the art in here. And I'm so happy that they thought of it because um, the feedback I've had from people has been amazing. And yeah, I would, I, I love to do things differently. So if I can, you know, anything I can do differently, I'm up for it. <laughs> and, uh, and I love being able to be creative in so many different ways. So yeah, I, I think in my case, it really fits in this book. And, and yeah, I would love to do it again. Good, good. And shout out to your publisher. When I think about art, I, I, people ask me, and I don't know where it, it has come from, my enjoyment of getting motorcycles. And I'm, I'm kind of venturing out of my, my comfort zone. And if I want to color a motorcycle tire, the color of eggplant, I'm doing it. <laughs> okay. There's that, that freedom. Writing. We create a story with fictional characters. But I find part of writing, there's also this self-editor. Uh, I say a bit of the analytical side where we're, we're looking at our words. We're thinking about whether we can make a certain word better, whether we can say a sentence, write a sentence better. Do you feel, thinking about yourself, that, a, that by being an author and as an artist, it's like two balanced halves that make up a whole? Hmm. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I think more like I like to do everything. Uh, I, I like to try and do everything creatively. So I think it is balancing, but I don't know if it's two halves. I think there's like so much of me that um, I do so many different creative things. So I think it's more like juggling. <laughs> um so I yeah I I but yeah uh yeah the self-editor and yeah definitely I yeah I think I'm like you I'm always trying to do things outside of the box for sure juggling I would say (laughs) 
it's like there would be times when at the same moment I want to work on my writing, but I'm also being drawn to wanting to work on a motorcycle illustration. You know, do, do you find that where you feel you're being like pulled in two different ways just because the creativity yeah. on both sides is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's not just that, but I've this winter I've learned how to do like knitting and so many other things I like to do. I like to work with wool and spin and, uh, if I have that kind of, yeah, that creativity, that, you know, that thing that bubbles up inside of you that you just have to like do something, pick up your paintbrush. Sometimes I will have to go around and, and see what is actually going to happen. Do I, is it something, am I going to write something? Am I going to paint something? Am I going to sew something? Uh, yeah. Bake something even, uh, I have to kind of juggle around and, and, and see what's going to happen, see what's going to come out. But yeah, often and a lot <laughs> that, that happens. So then I'm thinking you also sometimes wake up at 3 a.m. with ideas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sometimes if I do, I have to get up. It's usually writing. Or if I have an idea for a painting, I'll get up and I'll, I'll just kind of sketch it out. But it's normally writing when that happens and I'll have to get up and write it down. Or I will just lay there memorizing it until I get up so I don't forget it, which is the same thing. I'm still awake. So I've just started getting up and writing it down. Oh, God, we don't sleep. No, no. <laughs> Very don't. little. Well, we nap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Vancouver Sun, they said... Your visual work in the book is reminiscent of early Picasso, but it, it expresses a unique and nuanced sensibility, as does your short fiction. Wow. <laughs> so I was wondering, how do you connect with the painting? What, okay, I won't say what made you decide to pick up a paintbrush. When you're, you feel that call that you're going to paint, do you just... Is it just going strictly by inspiration? Yeah, you know, I I just start making marks. And then I'll kind of see something in there. And if I don't see anything, I'll just keep making marks. I'll do charcoal or paint or ink or I'll pick up a pencil or a pen or anything that's around. Um, it's very probably about as unstructured as you can get and I'll just keep making marks until I see a face or I'll see a dog or I'll get an idea or something like that so it's yeah it's very loose very unstructured and I will just let it come to me because I actually I really enjoy that um just making marks and making a mess and slopping paint around and I just that just gives me such joy to do that so sometimes I'll actually have to put a painting away for a few days if I don't see something in it or if it doesn't feel finished and I just have to like not look at it um and then usually if I flip it over and look at it again I'll I'll see something different there but yeah totally unstructured <laughs> I remember trying with some acrylics a painting with a paintbrush <laughs> This is going to sound really funny, okay? Just because I'm, I use markers. Oh yeah. Okay, so I use markers. Yeah. And I, to this, I will always consider myself a person who draws first. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, always, the, you know, I have my favorite pencil that I use, and uh, so to go from a drawing with a pencil yeah. to the paintbrush, uh, that was a. Whole, <laughs> It's a whole different 
inside of my brain. And I, I know I should, it should, that's probably even the wrong way to look mm-hmm. at it, that you're using my brain. But I, I just remember trying, tr- like you, you said, making marks and, and trying to do this painting. And I found it hard. So that's why I find it interesting that you you just say you, you keep doing the marks and you keep doing the brush strokes and, until that. It, it, I'm fascinated with that because it's, it's so what I'm not used to doing. Right. So, yeah, wow, that's neat. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. So are you working on a novel now? I think mostly what I'm working on now is kind of creative nonfiction or autofiction a novel. Well, I've just done a fiction novel uh, for middle grade, but I'm not particularly working on. I have a lot of different projects going on right now, but I Oh, I guess, yeah, I've got a novel in there. I think I've got some fiction in there. But yeah, there's a little bit of everything going on. That's great. (sighs) Now you've done the, you wrote people like Frank. You said it was the nano, like flash fiction. Now is it, this is the same. When I think of Mm -hmm. nano, I'm thinking of where you have a month and you try to crank out 50,000 words are we talking the same yeah yeah for the uh for 2018 I did I finished my novel I did my 50,000 words um but for 2019 I wanted to really work on my flash so I I set myself the task of one short story a day how do you find do you have a preference for the shorter fiction or the longer fiction or is it just more what comes to you through inspiration um well that definitely is always first um if I write something and I feel like it will go on longer I'll keep at it but I love right now I'm really loving the short stuff because I love and I'm actually trying to write write um micro flash you know like 50 or 100 words um I really like the uh challenge of trying to tell a whole story in just a few words kind of like haiku you know I'll, I'll I can start with a piece that's 5,000 words and and I have just whittled one down to 1,500 words um, you know keeping the story intact and I love just finding the sharpness of the words and um, getting everything just so so it's really uh, really tight so I, yeah right now I'm really enjoying the shorter ones I that's the first time I've heard of micro flash mm. so 5,000 down to 1,500. Mm-hmm. Whoa, all right. So where where do you want to go? Like for me, I want to keep writing my thriller series and I keep podcasting and keep creating motorcycle illustrations. Um, there's there's something that just appeals to me with with drawing motorcycles and mm-hmm. illustrating them. And I, I basically say mirroring being an artist and an author and where that journey will take me. Is, is there a direction you're pursuing or where where do you want to go? Um, I'm really enjoying working on the nonfiction realm right now and joining the past to the present and making it accessible, uh, finding things that have been forgotten. And I think that's, um, that's one thing I'm doing at the um, BC History Magazine this year. Um, I'm always trying to take more art classes and learn as much as I can because I feel like I'm still a very beginning artist. Um, I would love to do more teaching. I would love to get more 
books published. Um, and I'm especially keen to get all these big paintings out of my house. So I'll be really happy when the galleries and exhibition spaces start to open up again. Um, and also I would like to get better at knitting. And I just told somebody that I would love to this year, one of my goals is to actually knit a sweater. So, um, and I like to just marry it all together in one big mess. I love it. <laughs> um, so if there, is there anything you'd like to add and, and where can our listeners find you on social media? Um, well, there is one really big thing I would like to add if I can. On May 3rd, I'm going to be doing um, charity um, event where any purchase of my ebook on Amazon in the USA, Canada, and the UK, all the net proceeds will be given to dystonia um, research. So that's May 3rd. Any e my ebook on Amazon in any of those three places, USA, Canada, and the, U and the UK, all net proceeds given to the charity. And you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at, at Ravon Studio, R-A-V-E-O-N Studio. And on Facebook, I'm Ravon Girl, R-A-V-E-O-N Girl. And for my writing, I'm jenniferashton.ca. And for my art, I'm jenashtonart.com. I'm lots of other places, but those are the main ones. <laughs> okay. So May 3rd. That's, that's the, day. the day. Yeah, it's it's a great collection. And you just, your ebook, May 3rd, and you just, you're rooting for these characters. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you feel that. I'm glad that came across. Jen, I really want to thank you. I want to be honest. Um, I remember the night I was working on the questions for you. I, you know, with this pandemic, I was not in a good space. Like I just was not mm -hmm. having a good day. <laughs> the, the, the husband kind of knew because he came home and I had moved the furniture yeah. around, you know, in, in my, call it my box. Okay. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm back in my box and I moved the furniture around. I was cold. We had snow. And as I say this, I also know that there are people out there who are in worse mm -hmm. circumstances. So I, I don't want to sound like I'm, feeling sorry for myself. Okay. I'm just mm -hmm. being honest. And um, I remember I said to my spouse, I go, I don't even want to be around myself. I'm just not in a good headspace. Right. I was going, reading your book and I was seeing your art and it made me smile. And it took me out of that funk mm -hmm. I was in. And I really wanted to thank you for that. That's why I think it's so important that we promote authors and we promote artists and we have art programs and we have writing programs because art and writing, I think, can reach people, you know, when, when they are really feeling down. So thank you for oh, that. Thank you so much. That's amazing feedback. <laughs> I'm so happy that that made you feel that way. I've, I've had lots of similar feedback and I think the characters in the story are relatable. And, and I know that, um, people have said they've been enjoying it especially during this pandemic time because it, um, they are kind of gentle stories I think and feel good stories and you do root for these people um, but I agree with you art and writing programs in schools we need them and I just want to also say thank you so much for having me I've loved chatting with you and thank you to all my ancestors and all my relations 
This is, um, yeah, this has been just amazing. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you could come on here. I really am. And thank you to your ancestors <laughs> too. Yes. I'll Hi, thank Jen. you.